Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley Ryan. I'm for Bat Around. I want to remind you that today's uh, show is brought to you by sports. I'd say there's a, a new World Series favorite at 350 after being plus five last week after signing Shohei Otani and Tyler and trading for Tyler. They have now also signed Yoshi Yamamoto to a 12-year $325 million deal, which puts him at plus 350 odds to win the World Series. The Orioles have stayed at the plus 1,400 odds they were at last week. So perhaps now is still the time to get in with a futures bet. When you sign up at Sportsbook, you use the code PRESSBOX23, and you'll receive a same-day first bet match up to $250 win or lose. We are starting today's show um, on a little bit of a somber note. Uh, former Oriole Ryan Miner. Um, passed away yesterday after a year-long battle with stage four colon cancer. He had been in hospice care for the last month. Uh, Ryan Miner, former two-sport star at Oklahoma, drafted uh, in both Major League Baseball and the NBA, uh, most notably famous for replacing Cal Ripken on September 20th, 1998, uh, ending the streak at 2,632 consecutive games. I actually remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when Ryan Miner replaced Cal Ripken. We were down celebrating my stepmother's birthday in Annapolis because her birthday is September 20th. And we were eating at a restaurant. I'm not sure if it's still there or not. It's called Vespucci's. And it was a nice day out with the family. And I remember uh, seeing the TV and seeing Ryan Miner playing for Cal Ripken. And I just, I couldn't believe it. Uh, so I remember what I was doing, where I was. Uh, Ryan Miner also managed the Frederick Keys in 2013, 2018, and 2019 um, before battling uh, colon cancer. Uh, he would have been 50 in January. So our, our thoughts and prayers and our sincerest condolences go out to Ryan Miner's family, uh, as they suffer this terrible loss right at the holidays, just um, just awful in all regards. Um, the Orioles did make some news over the last week. Uh, not not the news we were hoping for as far as player acquisitions are concerned. They did actually sign a lease agreement. It's not a uh, it's not a, a false. Uh, sense of hope. They actually signed that lease agreement. Um, and again, we went over it a little bit last week. They have uh, four years to come up with a development deal for the area to break ground on development and have it approved around the ballpark. Um, if it is not approved by the date in 2027, it will be um, a 15-year lease. Otherwise, if they agree to the renovations around the ballpark, it will be uh, a 30-year uh, agreement. They do, however, have instant access to $600 million in funds to make renovations to the stadium. I haven't seen too many renderings of what they're planning to do yet uh, to the actual stadium. I know that they're going to do a new PA system, a new scoreboard, because it is the smallest scoreboard in all of Major League Baseball. Um, so they're going to be doing those two things. And I did hear that they're going to be taking out um, some, some seating to provide um, – 
better fanfare, probably like a little lounge area or um, a, a, another deck or something of the sort. My assumption is that, and I know it's going to be happening in the upper deck, so I think we can all safely assume it'll be happening um, to the upper reserve section in left field that's in fair territory. Those seats are never filled. Um, they're never, they don't even sell tickets to them until the playoffs anyway, um, over the, at least over the last couple of years. So uh, I imagine they're going to be taking those seats out and putting a new fan deck and a, a better fan experience out there. I think more renovations um, that they should do would involve an open concourse um, all the way around stand, but I don't know what that would entail. I, re I remember looking at it and not really knowing how they would do that, but the way the seating bowl is designed, they, you'd have to rip out you know, the entire lower section and completely rebuild it from the screws. So I don't know if they'd be able to do that or not. I don't know how long it would take. Um, and we're really only three months. We're three months from opening day. I don't think that they're going to have time to do something like that. Um, I imagine these renovations will probably start um, – next off season. Although I think that they're just ripping out seats and building like a, a fan experience deck out there in left field. I feel like that's something they could probably do in three months, but they have to expedite the process and get started right in the new year. Um, so we'll see TBD on um, what's going to happen with the new renovations to the team. Now that the lease agreement has been signed, which is the big news of the week, smaller news of the week. Uh, after they signed that agreement, we saw that the Orioles made a trade. We all got excited, and then we were instantly deflated. Orioles trading for Jonathan Heasley. Orioles acquired right-hander Jonathan Heasley from the Royals in exchange for minor league uh, right-handed pitcher Cesar Espinal. Uh, Jonathan Heasley, 13th round pick for the Royals in 2018. 545 ERA and uh, in 133 and two-thirds major league innings. He had a 22.6% strikeout rate in 134 innings pitched at AAA the last two seasons, despite a 6.11 ERA. Um, this, to me, seems like a depth move more than anything else because he can start, he can relieve, he has AAA experience, he has a little bit of major league experience, not great major league experience, obviously with a 5.45 ERA and 133 and two-thirds innings in the majors. Um, but look, the Orioles have done – I've done this in the past where they've gone out. They got a CNL Perez. They got uh, Danny Coulomb. They got um, Joey Crable uh, bringing some of these guys in. And they come in and have success because the Orioles know how to develop pitching. Uh, it's been proven. They they just know how to develop pitching. Um, so this this move to me is is for death. But don't be don't be shocked if you see him get a lot of runs spring training. And if, with, with a good spring, he could be part of that Orioles bullpen on opening day. We just don't know. Um, the return, Cesar Espinal, not noteworthy in his career to this point. He's played just two minor league seasons, both in the Dominican Summer League. Uh, he is, I believe he's 18 years old, uh, 402 ERA, 21.9% K rate, 11% walk rate. Actually, I think he's 19 years old. Um, so again, 402 ERA, 21.9% K rate, 11% walk rate in 53 and two-thirds innings pitched the last two years in the Dominican Summer League. So the Orioles not giving up a lot to not get a lot. Uh, the, um, we'll see. We'll see. I don't expect either of these guys to be um, to have their name in neon lights anytime soon. But, you know, it is still a trade that the Orioles have made during this offseason. We know that we, <coughs> excuse me, we know that we have um, entered the slow time of the offseason. This is the weekend before Christmas, and um, 
what we what we're looking at now is a deep freeze. So the hot stove is going to be turned off right now. They're getting those burners turned off, and we will have uh, more action after the new year. But it's just to get the nature of the game. Probably guys packed it in for the for the rest of the uh, the rest of this year and into the new year on Friday. Um, and we're probably not going to see much movement until after New Year's Day. So I, st- I still believe the Orioles are going to st- uh, trade for a starting pitcher. I'm hoping that somebody like Dylan Cease, I'm hoping it's Corbin Burns, if not Dylan Cease, if the Orioles don't give up too much. Because a one-year rental when you know he's going to command $25 million plus on the open market, um, the Orioles aren't going to dip their toes in, that, in those waters. So for me, how much are you willing to give up for one-year Corbin Burns? But – I'm hoping that they're going to be able to get at least one starting pitcher that's formidable. And, you know, let's get into that a little bit. Before we do, I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by Royal Farms. Feed your family gathering this holiday season with Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Get an eight-piece mix for just $12 or a 10-piece dark for just $15 at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Um, I want to get into it a little bit. The Yankees made a run at uh, Yoshi Yamamoto. They did not come close, apparently. Apparently, it was down to three teams, and they had the third best offer of those three teams. They had the, the worst of the three finalists um, for Yamamoto. I heard that they could be turning their attention to trade for both Dylan Cease and Corbin Burns. I don't know what they have in their system that they'd be able to do that. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to give up what's needed for those guys. And if they are, they're mortgaging their future for two year for the next two years uh, because they don't have anything noteworthy um, to, to that underneath what they're going to trade to potentially get those two guys are going to completely strip down their, their minor league system. So somebody was talking about how um, the Yankees are, if they were to have signed Yamamoto, would they be a top three team in major league baseball? And I, I don't see it. I don't even if they got him and they didn't. I don't see it. Yes, you have Juan Soto. Yes, you have Aaron Judge. Yes, you have Garrett Cole. Then what do you have? Then what do you have? You have an aging DJ LeMay, an aging Anthony Rizzo, an aging shell of his former self, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, Anthony Volpe, okay. Um, uh, Glaber Torres, okay. Both. Gleyber Torres is a good player, not a great player. Anthony Volpe is a young player who could be great. Right now he's good, uh, especially considering how young he is. But I look at that Yankees team, and you're not scaring me. Maybe Carlos Rodon comes back this year and looks like the guy he was uh, the previous two years before last year, before this past season. But I, I don't uh, I don't see that. And Nestor Cortez, he was really good for them for two seasons, and then he was injured all last year. And when he did pitch, he didn't pitch effectively. Look. These guys do have a history of pitching well, but it's a big if. If they can come back and pitch up to their potential, if they can stay healthy. And that's the same with the thing with the lineup. If they can stay healthy, these guys ain't getting any younger. And I look at this division, Tampa Bay, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, uh, you know, But every year I think, oh, this is a year the, the Rays take a step back and then they go out and win 95-plus games. So – uh, I'm not writing them off, but right now I don't know how you can have the Yankees as anything better than the third best team in this in the American League East, let alone a top three team in all of baseball. Uh, the Orioles um, won 101 games. They have nothing but young stars at, at almost every position. If they aren't at the major league level, they're coming up at the major league level. They have two aces at the top of their rotation. 
And that brings me to what Greg Emsinger said on um, MLB Network last night. He was doing his whole crystal ball act, and he was looking at, you know, American League predictions. And he predicted that the Orioles would win 109 games in the American League this year, this coming season in 2024. Predicted Kyle Brash would be a top three finisher in Cy Young uh, voting. Predicted that Adley Rutschman would have an 878 OPS. Um, you know, that's high praise, especially when you consider how, mu how much the Orioles have been a laughing stock in Major League Baseball over the last five, six years before last season. It's really high praise. And I saw people commenting on the video clip that was on Twitter saying, well, the Orioles don't have the pitching. They don't have the pitching. No starter had, except for one, had an ERA below four last year. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's when you're just looking at the stat sheet and you don't follow the team. You look at the Orioles starters heading into 2024, and they've got um, Kyle Bradish, who was fourth in Cy Young voting this year, 283 ERA this past season, 12 wins, 4.9 wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. And he was the first Orioles starter to make 30 starts in the season, have a sub three ERA since Mike Mussina in 1992. That's pretty damn good. And that's kind of what some of us on this show predicted, maybe not the 283 ERA, maybe not a top four Cy Young finish, but that was a guy that I looked at after his 2022 season when he had that 326 ERA the last 13 starts. I said, he could be the Orioles opening day starter in 2023. And I think he's going to be really, really good for this team. You just saw how much he dominated some really good teams. And yeah, he wasn't the opening day starter. And then his first start got knocked out after a line drive off the foot. But boy, was he good. You knew that he was getting the job done every time out there. Kyle Bradish was just that guy for the Orioles. And I think his progression continues next year. Grayson Rodriguez had a 2.58 ERA his last 13 starts this past season, looking every bit the number one pros pitching prospect in baseball that he was anointed prior to last season. And this is a guy who is only getting better. And I think he's going to take the fuel of getting just torched in the playoffs and use that to his advantage and really become alongside Kyle Bradish a Cy Young candidate. I think that they're going to be one of the best one-two punches in all of baseball in 2024. I truly believe that. And then you look at your number three starter, who right now is John Means. And yeah, John Means is coming off of Tommy John surgery, but this is a guy with a career 374 ERA. He's been an all-star. He finished top three in rookie of the year voting as in his rookie season. Actually, I think he finished second that year. No, I think he finished third that year. And he, came, he comes back from Tommy John surgery, makes four starts at the end of this past season, and all he does is average six starts, six innings pitched per start and pitched to a 266 ERA. John Means as your number three. This was a guy that we thought was the Orioles' ace. Him as their number three, look out. And then Dean Kramer, you see the four, the, you know, 420 ERA, something along those lines, and people are like, oh, you know, that's, that's a mid-starting pitcher. Well, what they don't realize is he had a 3.59 ERA from May 5th on. That's 26 starts with a 3.59 ERA. And yeah, you can tell, you can say he got blown up in the in the playoffs. His the Israel was under attack, and he is his family comes from Israel. He pitched for Team Israel in the uh, World Baseball Classic. Pretty sure we can safely assume that a lot was on Dean Kramer's mind 
in that playoff start. So when I look at Dean Kramer, I'm not going to hold that playoff start against him. I'm going to look at the the broader scale at the 321 ERA in 22 starts in 2022. The um, And then the 359 ERA's final 26 starts in 2023. And I'm going to say that guy has your number four. Okay, I'll take that. And then Tyler Wells, he might be in the rotation. D.L. Hall might be in the rotation. Tyler Wells led the majors in whip as a starter the first half of the season. Look, he ran out of gas. The guy hadn't been a starter in, since I think 2018 was the last time he made he made a start um, before before this past season. This is a guy – or before 2022, excuse me. Uh, this is a guy who had uh, you know a couple of surgeries – a couple of visits to the to the injury list, which is why the Orioles were able to get him in that Rule Five draft in 2021. But I look at him and I say, if he can get really extended, and he he pitched a good bit of innings. I think he pitched like 140 innings this past year. If he can get even more extension next year and really take that first half momentum and carry it into the second half, as your number five starter, who's who's a better number five starter than Tyler Wells? Yeah, he gave up a lot of home runs last year. He managed to get lucky by minimizing, by having them be a lot of solo home runs. But the ERA was right around three, mostly below three the entire first half of the season. Again, the lowest whip in baseball uh, the first half of the year. As a number five starter, I would love that for the Orioles. Plus, I do believe they're going to go out and trade for a starting pitcher. I think that that's going to happen. And... If you add a legitimate number one or number two to this rotation that already has, in my opinion, two number ones and a number two as a number three and a number three as a number four, who's going to beat this team? Who's going to beat this team? I just – I don't see it happening. I don't see um, the Orioles getting knocked off their pedestal atop the American League East this year, especially when then you look at the lineup. Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, you're going to have Jackson Holiday. Anthony Santander, um, you know, Ryan Mountcastle, and then guys coming up through through the coming up waiting in the wings, like Heston Kerstack, Kobe Mayo, Jordan Westberg with a full season. Guys, Jordan Westberg, if you're not on that Jordan Westberg hype train right now, get on it. There's plenty of seats right now. That guy, I, I, I'm telling you, in mid-August, if he's still with the Orioles, and even if he's not, someplace, if he's someplace else, you're going to look up at his stat line in mid-August, and you're going to see a guy hitting about 275, with about 20 home runs, about 70 RBIs. You're like, holy crap, this dude is awesome. And people aren't going to talk about it because he's quiet, man. He just plays – he's like Nick Marquez is playing third base. He just plays the game. He's a gritty ball player. You are going to love this dude in 2024. I'm telling you, Jordan Westberg is going to be a silent star for the Orioles in 2024. You're hearing it here right now. The guy's amazing. You, you – you look at that lineup, you look at that starting rotation, the bullpen, you know, CNL Perez, if he pitches like he did um, from June on, Danny Coulomb, um, um, Craig Kimbrell now. And you look at the rest of this, the rest of this bullpen, yours are going to be really good. They're going to be really good. Are they going to be enough to, you know, get out of the first round of the playoffs? Are they be enough to, if they get to the World Series, overtake a team like the Braves or the Dodgers? That remains to be seen. But, you know, let's get there first. And I think that the Orioles have a great chance of getting there. Do think I, I want to see them add, not think, I know I want to see them add another starting pitcher, though, um, before the season gets started. want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by helpmygamblingproblem.com. 
1-800-GAMBLER.org. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. That's 1-800-GAMBLER or you can visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. And I want to move on to the Christmas part of this show. I guess Ryan will not be joining us uh, for the show today. That's okay. Um, You know, I'm even doing a little bit older reads for the show because I I don't think they were anticipating me doing a show this week, but I told them that I I wanted to. Um, So it's okay that Ryan missed this one. He will be back um, for next week's show. Maybe, Maybe we won't do a show next week since it's a hol- another holiday weekend with the new year with new years coming up. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch uh, sometime this week on Twitter to, to let everybody know if we're going to be having a show or not uh, next weekend. But in the meantime, it is December 23rd. If you're watching us live, if you're listening to us, we recorded this on December 23rd. Um, Christmas is in two days. And I figured let's do our Orioles uh, Christmas wish list. And I'm going to start from I'm going to I did my top five and I'm going to start from uh, number five and work my way to my number one wish for the Baltimore Orioles in 2024. Number five, no secret here, a top of the rotation starting pitcher, whether it's Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, the last two who I think are a pipe dream. Whether it's any of those guys or if it's a Hey Zeus Lasardo like we talked on the show last week or if it is a um, uh, uh, not Pablo Sandoval, uh, uh, Patrick Sandoval. Uh, I don't think that's his name either, but Sandoval from the, from the angels, whether it's one of those guys, the Orioles need to get that starting pitcher into this rotation. I just talked about how good I think their starting rotation is, but if you want to beat the, the, the best teams in baseball, if you want to, you know, announce your presence with authority and say, Hey, Last year wasn't a fluke. We're the best team in the American League, and we're going to be in the World Series this year. Go get one of those guys to put at the top of your rotation. I don't know that you get them and have them start over Kyle Bradish on opening day, over Grayson Rodriguez in number two. But if you have a top three of Bradish, Rodriguez, and Dylan Cease, or Corbin Burns, or Jesus Lazardo, or insert name here, you're better than every team in the American League. Nobody's going to beat you. So that's my number five wish for the Orioles. Number four. Guys, this is a wish list. Cody Bellinger. I want Cody Bellinger on the Baltimore Orioles. It is not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen, but a guy can dream, right? That's what Christmas is all about. Cody Bellinger can play first base. He can play all three outfield positions. He's a left-handed power bat that you can put in the heart of your order, bat him fourth, and watch that dude hit 40 bombs for you onto Utah Street. Uh, To me, having... Um, having Cody Bellinger on the Orioles puts some head and shoulders above every other team in the American League. It's not going to happen, and a lot of people are going to say it's not a need. I will staunchly disagree until I'm blue in the face. The Orioles need a number four hitter on this team. You can't depend on Heston Kerstad or Kobe Mayo to be those guys yet. They haven't even uh, um, Kerstad hasn't even finished this cup of coffee at the big league level, and Kobe Mayo is still waiting in line at Starbucks for it. You know, you can't depend on those guys to be your number four hitter and be that presence in the lineup yet. One day, maybe one day is sometime in 2024, but you can't depend on them from the outset. You've got to go out and get a middle-of-the-order bat. No bat would profile better in this lineup than Cody Bellinger, and he gives you the versatility that Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias love. 
can DH him. You can play him at first base. You can play him in all three outfield spots. Not going to happen, but this is my Christmas list, and that's what I choose. Uh, number three on my Christmas wish, Christmas wish list, an owner willing to spend money. I wish John Angelos would spend money because then Cody Bellinger, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell wouldn't be pipe dreams. They would be realistic, but they're not. You know, and we watched this team for five years be just one of the worst franchises in the history of the game. I mean, you're talking 115 losses, 108 losses, 110 losses, and the only year that they didn't lose 100 was the was the season that they only played 60 games, and they were on play, pace to lose about 96 when that season ended. Um, you know, it, 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 they were just so bad for so long. And my entire life, they were so bad for so long. I mean, they've made the playoffs 14 times. No, no, I'm sorry. They've had 15 winning seasons. I'm going to be 40 in September. They've had 15 winning seasons in my lifetime, and they've made the playoffs. And I can count them right off the top of my head. They've made the playoffs seven times, six times in my life, six times in my entire life. I want an owner willing to spend money. Peter Angelos, he did it. Uh, in the latter half of the 1990s, he did it again uh, on his own guys like Brian Roberts and Adam Jones and Nick Marcakis and Chris Davis. He did it on Tejada, on Javi Lopez, on Rafael Palmero the second time around. He spent that money. He just spent it in the wrong places. Now his son won't spend the money. And we watched this team be so bad for so long thinking, OK, well, once this farm system gets here, that's when they're going to spend the money. That's when they're going to go out and shell out the, the big coin to get some uh, top-tier players on this team. And now we're here. 101 wins. You have an MVP candidate in, in Gunnar Anderson, a Cy Young candidate in Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez. You have an all-MLB catcher in Adley Rutschman. Um, you look at the team that you have, the nucleus that you have, Jackson Holiday, who might be rookie of the year coming through this year. You look at that, and what do you need? You need one legitimate starting pitcher out of your rotation. You need one middle-of-the-order bat. You can argue with me all you want. You need a middle-of-the-order bat that's not named Anthony Santander or Ryan Mountcastle or Austin Hayes. You need that guy. And you have the lowest payroll in baseball. If any team can pay a guy $30 million – a year to pitch in your rotation and another guy $30 million a year to bat in the middle of your order. It's the Baltimore Orioles go effing do it. They need an owner that's willing to do that. So my number three wish is an owner willing to spend money. My number two wish on my Orioles Christmas wish list, a new owner. I want a new owner for this team because John Angelos has given me no inclination that he's going to spend money. When his top three priorities are in order, being a bigger uh, cog in the community, getting concerts to Camden Yards, and then putting a winning team on the field, your priorities are out of whack to own a professional sports team. Sell the team. Whether it's Rubenstein, whether it's somebody else, whether whether it's um, the guy that owns Under Armour or somebody else, I don't care. Sell the team. I want a new owner in here. And with Rubenstein, you know, he was on, I think it was CNN the other day, and they asked him, is he planning to buy the Baltimore Orioles? And he said, as far as I know, they're not up for sale. Nobody's told me that they're up for sale. Now, maybe, maybe he's just saying that because part of the negotiations is keeping everything close to the best. Maybe that's what he's doing there. 
But until we have reason to believe that he's actually that the guy's actually in negotiations to buy the Orioles, I don't believe it. So I my number two wish list or my Orioles Christmas wish list is a new owner because the current owner sucks. He sucks. And he's not going to spend the money. If you're watching John Angelos, and I don't know why you would, you suck. I want a new owner for this team because you, John Angelos, suck. Number one, my number one wish on my Orioles Christmas wish list, a World Series. A World Series. The last time the Orioles were in a World Series and won a World Series, both happened in 1983. I was born in September of 1984. I have never seen the Orioles in the World Series. There's a lot of people probably listening to the show, probably watching the show, probably in the Orioles universe that have never seen a World Series. I'm going to be 40 next September. Minimum, it will have taken me to the age of 40 to see my team in a World Series. I've seen two Ravens Super Bowls. I might see a third this year. And I, ha- I have never seen my first love, my first passion, the Baltimore Orioles, in the World Series. I've seen them in the ALCS three times and nothing but abject failures in the in the ALCS. I need this team. It, I don't look, I won't even be greedy. You don't have to win the World Series. I want you to. If you don't, I'd be super sad. Who wouldn't? But get to the World Series. Get there. And then let's roll the dice. Just get to the World Series. Number one on my Orioles Christmas wish list. Get to the World Series. We need it in Baltimore. We deserve it. We've been a loyal fan base. We've been a punching bag for Major League Baseball. We've seen it. We've been watching poor baseball for far too long. When we get good baseball, it's not quite good enough. Get to a World Series. We deserve it in Baltimore. I want to remind you, today's show has been brought to you by Glenn Clark Radio. If you missed anything from Glenn Clark Radio this week, check out last week's interviews with Jalen McLeod, Jeremy Kahn, and Tim Barblase, and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. want to read a comment from um, uh, Adit Mahmoud. You, you had a comment on the show um, a couple weeks ago, and actually I believe that your comment was the one about – Sandoval, Patrick Sandoval from the from the um, from the Angels. Uh, assuming price is similar and Houston is w- willing to move Framber, would you rather trade for Valdez or Cease? How much of Elias Sig holds familiar familiarity with Framber impacts interest in him? Um, I I don't think that you can understate the impact of these guys having been in that organization uh, with uh, the Framber comes from. Um, Framber Valdez is a very good starting pitcher. He's under team control for the next two seasons, so you, he becomes a free agent in 2026. Um, one of the best pitchers in the American League. And let's look him up real quick here because I'm not familiar with, with his stats last from last season. Uh, what I do remember about him is I believe that he had like 26 consecutive quality starts. I think the Orioles were the, t- were the team to snap that. I think they scored like six runs off of him in six innings. Last year, 12 and 11, 345 ERA and 198 innings pitched with 200 strikeouts on the nose, 1.126 whip. Uh, this is a guy who um, career ERA of 340, um, 345 ERA last season, 282 in 2022, and 31 starts with 17 innings pitched, led the American League with 200. I mean, 17 wins, 201 in the third innings pitched, led the American League in that category. The year before that, 314 ERA, 
um, in 22 starts with 11 victories for the 2021 Houston Astros. It's going to cost you more to get um, to get Frember Valdez, in my opinion. This is a guy who has uh, who's been in the World Series. He's won a World Series. He's one of the best pitchers in the American League. He's averaging 200 innings pitched each of the last two years, something that Dylan Cease has never done. Um, and he's never had a full season as a starting pitcher as bad as what Dylan Cease had this past year. Doesn't put up the um, the strikeout numbers that Dylan Cease does, but 200 strikeouts and 198 innings pitched last season is still pretty damn good. I mean, that's 9.1 strikeouts per, per nine. And Greg Maddox will be the first one to tell you you don't have to be a, a strikeout artist to be a legitimate starting pitcher. Um, look, I'd love to have Framber Valdez. I think it's going to cost you an astronomical price. Um, you're talking probably Kobe Mayo, two of Kobe Mayo, Heston Kerstad, um, and Colton Kalser. Um, probably also Connor Norby or Joey Ortiz. And then you're looking at also probably a starting pitcher like a uh, Arm Brewster or Cade Povich um, or Jim Pinto. And that's just to start the conversation. I don't think – I think it's going to be too rich of an ask. I would love it. But when I love the return that the Orioles have to give, I don't think I would. And I don't think people in Baltimore would either. So I uh, love the question, Adit. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Um, just uh, I think that that, that cost ultimately pr- proves to be too rich for the Orioles blood. Uh, today's show is, all to you, is also brought to you by Project Game Day and the Tyus Bowser Show. You can join Glenn, Rita, and Femi Ayabadeja right here on these same press box pages for Project Game Day following uh, following uh, the Ravens and probably not on Christmas now that I think about it. They might be. Again, they didn't send me reads for this week, um, but following every Ravens um, regular season game, you can catch Glenn, Rita, and Femi Ayambadejo right here on the same Press Box pages for Project Game Day. And you can join Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia for the Tyus Bowser show uh, this week. Last week, they were at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Hartford Road. They do these on Tuesday nights throughout the season. Uh, I imagine that there will be more shows, especially with the Ravens having clinched a postseason berth last week. And look, if the Ravens win this week, and I think if the Browns lose, the Ravens clinch. Um, the, yeah, if the Ravens – any combination of a Ravens win and a Browns loss the rest of the way, and the Ravens will win the AFC North. They've got uh, their eyes on a bigger prize. They want the number one seed. Number one seed's kind of scary because they had it in 2019, and um, they had it in 2019, and they managed to get knocked out in the divisional round after winning, what was it, 12 straight games. They were 2-2, two and two, won 12 straight games. They get to 14-2, get to number one seed, and they got embarrassed by the – uh, Tennessee Titans on their home field in Baltimore in the AFC divisional round, but nurse some of those injuries, get healthy, know what's at stake, get the number one seed. The Ravens also, if the Ravens win on Monday in San Francisco, I think Lamar Jackson is a lock for the NFL MVP. I think he's an absolute lock of the Ravens beat San Francisco going to be a tall ask, but uh, that's just my opinion. But anyway, because of the playoffs, I do believe there's going to be another Tyus Bowser show. Um, Project Game Day and the Tyus Bowser show are both brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Like I said, it's going to be a truncated show. Uh, one, because Ryan's not here. And uh, two, because, you know, with the with the, uh, things slowing down as people approach the holidays, it's looking as though um, 
you know, there's not much to talk about. It's not looking as though anything. There's just not much to talk about. So um, show is probably coming to an end here in just a few minutes. But I did want to talk about the Dodgers signing uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Again, 12 years, $325 million after signing Shohei Otani for 10 years, $700 million, $680 million of which is deferred. Uh, $50 million signing bonus for Yamamoto, who has never thrown a major league pitch. Um, impact of the offseason, I think after the holidays and maybe even just before, I think you could still see some moves this weekend. I, I know a lot of people, especially with, you know, Friday entering a long weekend, Christmas being on a Monday. I know a lot of people are probably traveling for the holidays, so there's going to be a lot of inactivity. But don't be surprised if a team sneaks in and signs Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery. A lot of these guys want that peace of mind for the holidays, want to know that they can, you know, kind of really ramp up their their off-season workouts beginning in, on Jan, beginning in January to get ready for the season and know where they're going. Don't be surprised if Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell signed pretty quickly after the news of Yamamoto signing just two days ago. Um, look, the rich get richer, right? The Dodgers just spent $1.1 billion, $1.1 billion on two players. And, you know, you look at a lineup that has Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, um, Shohei Otani and a rotation that right now has Yamamoto, Walker Bueller. You're probably going to have uh, Julio Arias unless those um, those allegations come to pass with him. Um, Dodgers need more pitching. There's no getting around that. They need more pitching. But that lineup is stacked. They have two of the biggest uh, names in baseball now. Three. Uh, in Yamamoto, Shohei Otani, Mookie Betts. Freddie Freeman is just one of the – he's one of the best players ever. He's one of the greatest hitters in the universe. Um that team's loaded, but that's the beauty of baseball. You know, anything can happen. Like I said, you saw the Braves win 104 games this year. They were head and shoulders above every other team in baseball, and they didn't make it out of the wild card row. Did they? No, they they made it to the to the um, to the division series because they had the buy in the wild card round. But they didn't make it out of the division series. They lost again to the Phillies, who so they had a 14 game division lead on. Following the same, uh, following you know a 16 game division lead the year before, the Braves 104 wins and they get knocked out of the division series. But what's the point in that? You can spend as much money as you want. You can spend as much money as you want. It doesn't matter. You got to line up. You got to play. You got to play the games. You know the Padres they spent over 220 million dollars last year. They didn't even make the playoffs. The Yankees, same thing, over $200 million. They didn't make the playoffs. Same thing with the Boston Red Sox spending every year. The Cubs spend every year. Look at all the postseason success from those teams. The Yankees haven't won a World Series since 2009. The Cubs, they won in 2016. They thought that they had that big window, and they haven't been back. They haven't even gotten close, um, which is another reason why the Orioles need to go out and spend money to get players for this team because your window you can think is wide open, and it could shut like that. Go get some players. Um, do uh, I don't think it's bad for baseball that a team goes out and spends that kind of money on Shohei and Yamamoto. It's not bad for baseball. I think there has to be a salary floor. I would love a salary cap. I think it's ridiculous the teams can spend that much money, but they're not breaking any rules. And if they have an owner that's willing to do it, God love them. You know, I wish the Orioles would go out and spend that kind of money. Go spend $1.1 billion in, uh, on two players and make your team the, the absolute World Series favorites. Do it. Um you know, if, if if you want to beat them, you got to beat them at their own game, right? 
I think what the Orioles are doing is is important. You know, having a team that's built from the foundation that's all homegrown, but are you going to keep those players? Are you going to have those players be in Baltimore for the foreseeable future? Are you going to sign them to extensions to keep them here and to keep this window open for as long as possible to make a Houston Astros-like run? Difference is the Houston Astros went out and they signed some guys too. They 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 traded for um, uh, Garrett Cole and they traded for John, for uh, Justin Verlander and Zach Granke. You know they went and Carlos Beltran to to make a, a run there and and um, Brian McCann. They did those things that they needed to do to put their, to get their team over the hump and win that World Series. Are the Orioles going to do that? That remains to be seen. Dodgers plus 350 odds to win the World Series. That's that's ridiculous. Plus 350 to be World Series champions. That is those odds are so low. Like or so high. I mean, like the, the odds that good are in, incredible for a team. I mean, it's basically saying they're gonna win. Everybody else pack it up at plus 350. That's absolutely nuts. Wish the Orioles would do the same thing. Still a lot of all season to go, so we'll see what's gonna happen from here on out. Um Another comment here on the show, this one from James Peebles. I could see Montgomery going back to the Yankees, unfortunately, but at least Yamamoto won't be there. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite things that's happened over the last 10 years is the Yankees missing out on a lot of these big-name players. And, yeah, they got Garrett Cole. Yeah, they traded for Stanton. Yeah, they re-signed Judge, but they traded for Stanton. They signed Judge because he had already played for them. And they like if you let him go, if you if if the Yankees had let Aaron Judge go last year, this past season, if he had signed with say the Giants in t- for the twenty twenty three, the Yankees may not have even been five hundred. They they would have been so bad. He is that entire offense. He's that entire offense. And yeah, now you traded for Juan Soto. Look at these guys. Are you traded for Soto? You traded for Stanton. You signed Rodon. <laughs> You know, you sign Judge, who has played two full seasons in his entire, in his t- entire career. Yeah, now those those two full seasons, he hit 52 home runs as a rookie and 62 home runs on his way to an American League MVP. But you're talking, what is this now? That he's entering his eighth season. He's played two full healthy seasons. All right, it's like John Angel. It's like Peter Angelos spending money in the wrong places. And you can argue Carlos Rodon was the best pitcher on the on the market last year, and that's true. But the injury history preceded him, and it came back to bite them in the butt this year. Aaron Judge, yes, he was the best hitter on the open market last year, and you had to keep him. I get it. Just like you can you can crucify me for this. The Orioles had to keep Chris Davis following the 2015 season. They had to. They had to go out and re-sign him. You can't let a guy who has who's led the majors and home runs two of the previous three seasons, you can't let him walk in free agency. You had to re-sign him. It didn't work out. But if he hadn't signed with the Orioles and they let him sign someplace else, we would have never heard the end of it. We would have never heard the end of it. So just like the Orioles with Chris Davis, the Yankees had to sign Judge. But that doesn't mean the money was spent in the right places because he cannot stay on the field. He's done it twice in seven big league seasons. Twice. He is a phenomenal player. He's a phenomenal player. But bodies like that break down. Look what happened with Stanton. They're basically the same size, 6'7", 270 pounds of solid muscle. Stanton's a shell of his former self, and he's, what, 32 years old? Aaron Judge, 31 years old, six foot seven, 270 pounds. That is not a body that's meant to withstand the rigors of a 162-game season. You know, I'm a, I am a full foot shorter than him, and my body hurts after playing 
a doubleheader or playing four games in five days, my body hurts. These guys play 162 games in 180 days. Six foot seven, 270 pounds. That body's not meant to withstand those rigors. And that's why Aaron Judge has barely been able to stay on the field. Um, so the Yankees, could I see Jordan Montgomery going back? That's what the whole point of this was uh, from James Peebles' comment on, our, on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in on YouTube, by the way. Thanks to all of you for tuning in, um, especially when it's just me here. I know I tend to bloviate, so, but thanks for sticking with me. Um, Jordan Montgomery going back to the Yankees. I could see it, but you also have to look like some of his – he was supposed to be an up-and-coming guy with the Yankees. It didn't totally work out there. And as soon as he left there, he became one of the best pitchers in baseball. I don't think that's a coincidence. A lot of guys uh, had a lot of trouble pitching under the pressure of the big lights in New York. Randy Johnson was terrible with the Yankees. And then he goes back out to San Francisco and he becomes Randy Johnson again. Carl Pavano was a Cy Young candidate. And then he goes to the Yankees and he was terrible. Some of these guys just cannot pitch cannot play under the big, the brightest lights in New York. Um, so Jordan Montgomery, was that the case for him? Is it a situation where he would want to go back to New York? Now, look, money talks. If they offer him five years at $150 million to come pitch for them, yeah, he's probably going to take that. But if it's anything less, if, they're, if their offer is comparable to somebody else's, might he take a little bit more money to have peace of mind and to continue to be one of the best pitchers in the American League without all the pressure of pitching in pinstripes? I could, I could see that being the case of him taking maybe a smaller offer to pitch someplace else, just like Cliff Lee did when he spurned the Yankees to pitch for the Phillies um, back in 2008. Um, you know, we're going to see how, how this offseason plays out. We're going to see a lot of these dominoes start to fall. Now that Otani is taken care of, now that Yamamoto is taken care of, you're going to see Snell and Montgomery next, and then maybe Bellinger after that. Um, but the dominoes are going to start falling uh, as soon as we get through the holiday season. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Bat Around today. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to each and every one of my listeners, our followers, our viewers for tuning into the Bat Around week after week. Um, and especially today, I know that a lot of you are traveling. I know a lot of you are uh, starting your holiday celebrations. We have ours coming up in just a couple of hours here uh, at my mother in law's. Um, so. Thank you for taking the time on a busy holiday weekend to spend part of it with me on a Saturday morning. I truly appreciate you. Until either next week or the week after, we'll see. Uh, see you.